0: Turn with me this morning to the Psalm 12, eight verses, let's read together the word of God, let's endeavor to let the Lord speak to us, Psalm 12. Found the place, let's read together the scriptures. Psalm 12 Help, Lord, for the godly man ceaseth, for the faithful fail from among the children of men. They speak vanity, every one with his neighbour. With flattering lips and with a double heart do they speak The Lord shall cut off all flattering lips And the tongue that speaketh proud things Who have said with our tongue will we prevail Our lips are our own Who is Lord over us For the oppression of the poor For the sighing of the needy Now will I arise, saith the Lord I will set him in safety from him that puffeth at him The words of the Lord are pure words As silver tried in a furnace of earth Purified seven times Thou shalt keep them, O Lord Thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever The wicked walk on every side when the vilest men are exalted. Amen. We know the Lord will stamp his own approval and blessing this reading of the Holy Scriptures. Now, My text this morning is taken from Psalm 12 and verse 1. The psalmist said, help, Lord. For the godly man ceaseth for the faithful feel from among the children of men. Now my theme today is entitled, "Living for the Lord in a Dark Day." And I have no doubt that King David, a thousand years before Christ, was living in dark days. This psalm was penned by him against the backcloth of the murder of 85 priests of Nob and the murder of all the innocent civilians in that town land. Think of the killing of men and women and children and animals. And, and, And why were these priests slaughtered? Why were these people put to death? And here's the answer. They were accused of helping David escape from the clutches of Saul. Remember David, as he fled Saul's persecution, he made his way to the city of Nob. He was hungry. He requested bread. They told him there was no bread but the showbread on the table of showbread. He asked for a sword. They told him there was no sword but the sword of Goliath. And he got them from the hands of Ahimelech, the high priest. And as a consequence, King Saul ordered Dog the Edomite with his soldiers, his band of mercenaries To go into the whole city and slaughter everyone Think of the murder of 85 godly priests The murder of innocent men, women and children And then David, he hears the news He's somewhere in the wilderness of Judea And the minute he hears the news, what does he do? He goes to God and he cries out, listen to these words, Help, Lord, for the godly man seeth us, for the faithful feel from among the children of men. Here's David and he's living in bad times. He's living through difficult days. He's thinking of the challenges that are facing the people of God. And isn't the Bible so relevant? Isn't it so up to date? Are we not living in bad times politically? Is there not a spirit of confusion abroad? Whether it's in Stormont or whether it's in Westminster. Are we not living in bad times morally? You think of the tide of evil that seems to have come in like a flood even in this past, what could we say, generation? Isn't it true in our day and generation? Look at verse 8 of this psalm. The wicked walk on every side when the vilest men are exalted. When you have men guilty of murder and bloodshed and they're elevated to the highest political offices of the land. When you think about the forcing of abortion and demand and the desire and cry for same-sex marriage among many within the political establishment of our day. Are we not living in bad times morally? And are we not living in bad times religiously? You you think of the apostasy and the religious downgrade of our day, where you've got openly avowed Sodomites preaching the word of God and leaving the praise of the Lord in some of the mainstream denominations. And add into that the ecumenical movement and the charismatic confusion. And you think even of bad times spiritually among the Reformed and Evangelical churches, Where's the deep interest in the things of God? Is it not true that in our day that the Christian church is viewed as an irrelevancy? That, that, that it's viewed as a a, 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 a distraction? That, that, that it's viewed as a joke? See, David was living in bad times for the people of God. And one of the things that... He, Struck him in his heart was the decline in godly and faithful people Among the ranks of those that belong to the Lord You think even in past generations In past weeks and months and years The many godly and faithful servants of the Lord That have been taken not only from us in our church But throughout the free Presbyterian churches The Bible says precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Death has come and taken them away. And and there seems to be no one following on to fill their shoes. No one to take up their mantle. And add into that not only the death of godly and faithful saints, but but add into that the spirit of coldness. This this, um, departure from loving the Lord with all our heart and soul and mind and strength. Remember what the Lord Jesus said in his Olivet Discourse, Matthew 24 and 12. Because iniquity shall abound, the love of the many shall wax cold. And is that not true today? So many of God's people who name the name of Christ are not going on with God. They, they, They profess to know and love him. They profess to be his. They claim we're born of the spirit and washed in the blood. But, but but the life that they live towards the Lord and the Lord's cause is, is coldness. Is this not evidence of a falling away? Do we not live in days when it seems as if wicked men are waxing worse and worse? And then added into that the godly men, the godly women, seems to be less and less and less and less influential what do you do in such a day? Well think of what David did. Here's living for the Lord in dark days. Help Lord for the godly man us; the faithful feel from among the children of men. Now this text of scripture came to me in conversation with one of the brethren here through the week. He had asked me Where it says in the Bible That the words of the Lord are pure words As silver tried in a furnace of earth Purified seven times And I knew it was Psalm 12 And as I read the Psalm And reread it Then I thought to myself "Well, Well there's a word from the Lord For Sunday morning And as I read that text I thought of three things I wrote them down I want you to think first of all of the disregarded. Look at the text very carefully. Help, Lord, for the godly man sees this. The faithful feel from among the children of men. Notice the words, the godly man and the faithful. You see, King David knew that one was the outworking of the other, he knew that true faithfulness always flows out of a life of true godliness. A life of godliness will result in that individual being true and faithful to the Lord. And here's David in his mind, and he's thinking about the death of the godly man and the faithful man failing in the earth. And he's contrasting the children of the master with the children of men. Look at the words From among the children of men You see children of men The sons and daughters of Adam They're born of natural descent They're born in sin and shapen in iniquity Because they're slaves to sin Then they they live for sin And for the the ways of wickedness But the children of master They're different Why? Because they're born again they have a new nature implanted within them. They're known as a godly man or a godly woman. They're known as a life of faithfulness to God because of the Spirit of God that indwells within them. They, they have a, a, not only the life of God, but they have a, a love for God, a love for truth and righteousness, a, a desire to live for the Lord. See, possessing a desire for godliness and a desire for being faithful is a sign of the grace of God at work in your life. And if you this morning have a desire for godliness and a desire for being faithful, it's a sign of the grace of God at work in your life. Turn in your Bible there to 1 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 25. 1 Corinthians 7 and 25. The Apostle Paul is... Speaking to the young ladies in the church He says in verse 25 Now concerning virgins I have no commandment of the Lord Yet I give my judgment As one that have obtained Mercy of the Lord To be faithful Notice the words As one that obtained mercy of the Lord To be faithful He obtained mercy of the Lord To be what? To be faithful unto the Lord Do you you see the connection? Paul faithfully served the Lord in his day and generation. Why? Because he was a saved man. He had obtained mercy. He was born again. Remember, he says in 1 Corinthians 15 and 10, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And you see, his life of godliness, his true and faithful spirit that he had to Christ in his cause. Was an evidence of the grace of God in his life. He traces it to the mercy of the Lord that he had obtained. As one that obtained mercy of the Lord. To be faithful. And could I just suggest this morning that if you're born of the Spirit and washed in the blood and have a testimony that you're saved by the grace of God, then God calls you, He expects you, He desires you to aspire to a deeper life of godliness and a deeper life of faithfulness to Him. If you turn there in your Bible to Revelation chapter 2, it says in verse 10. This is the message to the church at Smyrna. He says, Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that ye may be tried, and ye shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. Here he's singling out the individuals In this congregation in Smyrna He's saying to them This is what I want for you I want you to be faithful to me Despite what you face Despite the circumstances that are going to come Even imprisonment Even death This is what I want Be thou faithful unto death And I will give you the crown of life. Do you know that word "faithful"? You should look it up. It's used many, many times in the Bible. If you look up um, Bible Gateway, you'll get the multitudinous of references. But the first time it's mentioned in the Bible is the Book of Numbers, and in Numbers chapter twelve and verse seven, we read, "My servant Moses is not so, who is faithful in all mine house." Faithful in all mine house. Here's the Lord dealing with Miriam, dealing with uh, Aaron, because they're criticizing the Lord's servant. And because the leadership is on to attack, God is singling out Moses, and he describes him as my servant, and he tells us something about him, that he's faithful in all my house. You see, Moses has, by the grace of God, Dedicated himself 100% to the Lord He turned his back in the world Remember he could have been called the son of Pharaoh's daughter But he refused that How do we know he refused it? Well listen to what Paul says in the book of Hebrews In Hebrews chapter 10 And in the um, Hebrews chapter 11 rather By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Listen to this, verse 26, Hebrews 11. Esteeming the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of their reward. You see, Moses dedicated himself That he was going to live a life of faithfulness unto the Lord Because he was the Lord's servant And that's exactly what King David is doing He's focusing on the Lord's will He's focusing on the Lord's word He's focusing on the Lord's work if you do a contrast in this psalm, and I would encourage you to read uh, the psalm very carefully. I would desire that you would think of the uh, reference to the uh, words of men and what they're saying and then the words of the Lord. Psalm 12, we read there in verse 2, they speak vanity, every one with his neighbor, with flattering lips and with a double heart do they speak. The Lord shall cut off all flattering lips and the tongue that speaketh proud things. Come to verse 6. The words of the Lord are pure words, not putrid words, not profane words, but pure words. See, there's a contrast here. As silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. See, no man has regard today for the word of God. And David's thinking of these vilest men on earth that are being exalted into positions of leadership. And he's thinking that they have no regard for God's word. And they use profane words, putrid words. And yet the word of God is pure. It's been tried and tested. It's been pressed beyond measure. And that word is treasured by godly and faithful men. Remember, the psalmist said, Oh, how I delight in thy law. The word of God is better than gold and silver, young people. And here's the the, the psalmist, and he's thinking about this description of being godly and faithful. And and he wants to dedicate himself to the Lord's will, the Lord's word, the the Lord's work. Remember the commission, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And that's never been rescinded. Paul to Timothy said, preach the word. Again, he said to Timothy, commit thou to faithful men. Think of a race, a relay race, and you hand the baton over. And men coming to the end of their time and handing the torch of truth to a younger man. In Ephesians 1 and 1, the uh, Christian church there was called the faithful in Christ Jesus. Jesus. And see, all these things, all these words come into play when we think about being faithful to Christ and faithful to his cause. Is there not a cause, the psalmist said? Faithful to his commission. Faithful to his charge. Faithful to his church. Do you know that the Lord has his eyes in faithful men, faithful women? Turn over there to Psalm 101 this morning and look with me at verse 6. Psalm 101 and verse 6. Underline this verse in your Bible. Try and memorize it. Mine eyes shall be upon the faithful of the land. That they may dwell with me. He that walketh in a perfect way. He. Shall serve me. Now do you get the message? Here's the description that he regarded. The godly And the faithful man And we've got to ask ourselves Am I a godly man? Am I characterized by a spirit of faithfulness? Is that an evidence of the grace of God? Do I realize that that's what the Lord expects of me? That that he encourages me to be faithful unto death? And that, that he calls me like Moses To be faithful in all my house? Faithful to God's will and God's word and God's work? Because faithfulness is a reflection of those that are in Christ Jesus. And our faithfulness is a reflection of Christ's faithfulness. And again, that's what the scripture teaches in the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. And are we described here? I want you to think secondly, and very quickly, the development that is realized. Notice the words, the godly man us; the faithful fail from among the children of men. He's thinking about the death of godly men, the death of faithful men. He, he's thinking about the decline of godly and faithful men. He, he's thinking about the disappearance of uh, the godly and the faithful man. And, and all those thoughts are bound up, a, a reduction in number among the godly remnant on the earth. And David says, this is a crisis. This is affecting the church, but it's affecting the country. And David was deeply troubled. He's perplexed. He's alarmed. He's upset. He's thinking about the the vilest men that are exalted in the majority. And, and, And the most godly and faithful men, well, they're in a minority. Remember I told you, 85 slain priests. A whole city wiped out. You're maybe thinking, well, where did you get that in your Bible? If you turn over there to 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 22. And look with me at verse 18. 1 Samuel 22 and 18. It's good to have the reference, isn't it? 1 Samuel 22 and 18. Listen to the word of God. And the king, that was Saul, said to Doke. Turn now, and fall upon the priests. And Dob the Edomite turned, and he fell upon the priests, and slew in that day four score and five persons that did wear in an ephod. That's 85. And Nob, the city of the priests, smote he with the edge of the sword, both men, women, children, the sucklings, and oxen, and asses, and sheep, the edge of the sword And one of the sons of Elimelech The son of Ahitub Named Abathar escaped And fled after David And it's whenever Abathar came into the camp That then David penned Psalm 12 Before the Lord You see As the godly and faithful men Die off and are taken home And they depart, and 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 there's a decline. Then it seems as if the wicked and the ungodly and the faithless men come to the fore and take advantage of that. And they are men who speak vanity, empty words, loads of hot air. They they speak with flattering lips. They they use guile and flattery. They speak with a double heart, a heart with a heart. That that's literally the meaning. They they're men without acting like salt and acting without light and whenever there's an absence of good godly faithful men then that has an impact upon the country the country's worse off you take the godly out of our society and the godless come to the fore and what's the impact upon society well is that not happening all over the country and of course this is not a new thing Happened in David's day Did you know what happened in Isaiah's day Turn over there to Isaiah 57 700 years before Christ Isaiah 57 in verse 1 It says the righteous perisheth And no man layeth at the heart And merciful men are taken away None considering that the righteous is taken away From the evil to come 700 years before Christ. This is what Isaiah the prophet is saying. And also if we think about uh, Micah. In Micah chapter 7. I believe it's in verse 2. Micah 7 and verse 2. The good man has perished out of the earth. And there's none upright among men. They all lie in wait for blood. They hunt every man his brother with a net. Now, is that not what we're facing today in the United Kingdom? Are we not watching our little country sink deeper and deeper into the mire of iniquity? Does it not seem as if we're living in a day where the floodgates of wickedness have been opened and it's spewing out all the vileness and and immoral filthiness? You you, you think of this abortion and demand. You you think of same-sex marriage. You, You think of the sin of homosexuality. You think of drug addiction. Think of the drink culture Just go down to the pubs and clubs On a Friday and Saturday night to see them filled You think of 32,800 Domestic violence cases In Northern Ireland And then You think then In that situation Of a past generation Where's the men with a godly testimony Where's the men Who are true and faithful to the Lord Where's the men who have influence and power? When I think of our country, I think of the abolition of slavery. I think of the Lord raising up the like of John Newton and William Wilberforce. John Newton was a slave trader whom the Lord slaved, and he opposed slavery with all his might. Think of the church. Men like John Knox. Mary, Queen of Scots, it said that she feared the prayers of John Knox, more than 10,000 soldiers marching to her gate. Why? Because he had a power and influence with God. The George Whitefields, the Wesley brothers, Charles and John. And even though we meet not dot every I and stroke every T with them as far as some parts of their theology was concerned, they were good, godly men, faithful in their day to present Christ and call sinners to repentance and faith in him. Where's the Hudson Taylors, the William Careys, the David Livingstons? You think of our own spiritual leader that the Lord raised up, the late Dr. Paisley. Where's the giants of our day? They're taken home. Their seats are empty. But what I'm saying is that there's nobody seems to be replacing them. And David sees this as a tragedy. David sees it as a travesty for the church and the country. And here's Isaiah. And what what what, what did Isaiah tell us? The righteous man perisheth, and no man lays it to heart in, in seven hundred BC. There's nobody concerned. Nobody seems to be upset. It was the same with Micah. Did you know when the great Leonard Ravenhill died? At his funeral, his wife was weeping uncontrollably. Some preacher went along to comfort her, and he tried his best. He spoke a few words to her and reminded her he was a good, faithful man, godly. He's in heaven, she'll go to see him again one day. And she said, but I'm not weeping for that. I'm weeping because there's no one to take Leonard's place To call the country to repentance To call the church to repentance And that's exactly What David is thinking about here In closing Let's think about a dependence That is recognised If we go back to the psalm There's one final thought I I must leave with you And I want to press at home Notice the words at the start Help Lord Can you see that? Help, Lord. You see, here's a dependence that David recognized. Not not only was there a description that he regarded, and not only was there a development that he realized, but here was the dependence that he recognized. David was cast down, fearful for the future. The day was dark, the times were bad, but he was not totally in despair. Why? Because he turned to the Lord. He turned to the God of our fathers, the the God of the covenant. He knew that God still had a remnant. He knew that God would not leave himself without a witness. He knew that that even in the days of Elijah, God had reserved for himself 7,000 that hadn't bowed the knee to Baal. And even though he was concerned and troubled, what did he do? Well, he cried out, Help, Lord. Notice there was supplication. He took the burden to the Lord. And folks, in dark times and difficult days, that's what we must do. We must take the matter to the Lord. We must ask God for help. We must ask for divine intervention. David took his crisis before the Lord and he cried, help Lord. And that's what we need to do today. There's a simple lesson for our church, for this church, for the Free Presbyterian Church, for our country to understand the importance of prayer Prayer's important at all times isn't it but especially in dark days in difficult times the psalmist said but i gave myself to prayer and, and i've been challenged by that verse and and do do we really pray do we give ourselves to prayer remember when peter was in prison and the church was being persecuted james had been put to death with a sword And times were tough and God's people wanted to give up. Where did they go to? They went to the house of John Mark in Jerusalem. And his mother was there. And there was a prayer meeting. And the Bible says "And there was prayer made unto God for him. You see, prayer changes the situation. And it's widely believed that the angel fetched Peter out of prison. But it was prayer that fetched the angel out of heaven. Could I encourage you, when you think about the house of God... Think about the prayer meetings of the church. Don't be discouraged. Come. Don't be diverted away from the prayer meeting. There's a story told about a a little church and it had very few people coming in and one person prayed in the prayer meeting. Lord, I would love to see one visitor coming in tomorrow into the house of God. And um, prayer meeting was on a Saturday night in that little church. And Sunday morning there was no visitor. Sunday night there was one visitor come in And that visitor told them well, I've just moved into the area And I'm looking for a good, godly, Bible-believing church You see, God can raise up an individual God can raise up spiritual giants in the land We're not dependent on storming Get your eyes of the politicians Get your eyes of what's happening in Westminster Even get your eyes of what's happening in the EU it's not a new program we need. It's not new gimmicks we need. We need divine intervention. We need God's help. And only God can help. And only we could learn that lesson this morning. If you look at the margin of the Bible, it suggests the word, the word help means save. Can you see that? If you have a margin in your Bible, help, Lord, it means save, Lord. You see, look unto me and be ye saved, all ye ends of the earth. Who is the person who does the saving? Well, Jesus saves. Isn't that what the little bads say? And the Lord can come and save an individual. The Lord can come and work in our families. The Lord is able to deliver we Northern Ireland even from the hand of the enemy. And what we need is men and women and young persons who are genuinely saved, that want to live a godly life and be faithful and, and, and be filled with the Holy Ghost and, and come to the prayer meeting and have a heart for God. Because the psalmist has a heart for God. He's a man after God's own heart. And not only was there supplication, but I want to tell you there was service. I have no doubt David, whenever he heard this news from Abathar, he felt his need, he had his limitations, and yet he didn't sit idly by and do nothing. He didn't say, oh, the situation's hopeless. David was determined he was going to do something for God. And the first thing he did was prayer. But the second thing he did was he dedicated himself to serve God. And you know, every believer here, there's something you can do for God, even coming into this autumn and winter work. Well, you can't do what others do. You may not have their gifts or talents. You may not have their time. You may not have their money. But you can do what you can. Isn't that what the Lord said about Mary? She did what she could. The woman who broke the alabaster box of ointment. She did what she could. And you can do what you can. You could pray at home. You can pray for me. I covet your prayers. You could pray for this work. Uh, And this work needs your prayers. Uh, you, you, You could come and help us in the children's ministry. Remember in the days of Nehemiah? And they were building the wall. The people had a mind to work. And that's what we need. People with a mind to work. The cause of God. It's under attack. The Christ of God. The commands of God. The commission of God. The church of God. Jesus said, I must work the works of him that sent me. Because the night is coming. When no man can work. Did you know that Duncan Campbell... He was involved in the World War, World War I. He was at a place called Passing Deal Ridge. He was lying in the mud amongst the blood of others. He was wounded, he was dying. And a person came past on horseback, a, a Canadian soldier, and uh, the hoof sort of touched Duncan Campbell some way near his back, and he let a groan out of him. The person on the horse who was galloping past heard it. And he stopped, lifted him up, put him on his horse. Duncan Campbell felt he was dying, his life was going to end. He's going to meet the Lord in the judgment. And this is what he prayed. He said, in the words of Robert Murray McSheean, Lord, make me as holy as it's possible for a saved sinner to be. And you know what God did? He answered that prayer. Do you know what God did? God spared his life, got him to hospital, patched up his wounds, and that moment changed his life because in the 1920s he became the uh, involved in the work of the faith mission and he was greatly used to see revival not only here in Northern Ireland but especially in the Isle of Lewis and the Isle of Hebrides. You, we lament the darkness. We say oh isn't it dreadful these wicked vile men exalted to this position and that position. But you know let's be a candle for God. Let's determine that we're going to be the salt to act against the darkness, that we're going to be the light for God. David thought about his service. But David also thought about his speech in closing. Remember, there's a contrast here: the children of men, the children of the master, and the speech of the both is different. One uses profane speech, one uses putrid speech. They speak vanity, every one with his neighbour. With flattering lips and with a double heart, do they speak? Can you get the picture? Individuals who are proud, using flattery. These individuals speaking with a forked tongue, in a sense, opening their mouth, and they curse and they swear. But the children of God have a testimony that they're different because they hold on to God's words. God's perfect, pure, powerful words that they trust in is found in their lips, on their mind, and in their heart. How can we influence others? By speaking a word in season to them. We're not only asking God to bring them in, but we're willing to invite them. Are you willing to be a light and a candle for God when it comes to your speech? That you're not used, proud, vain, flattery words But you'll fill your heart and mind With God's words And this was what David did This was the dependence that he recognised I need the Lord I must live for God I must have pure speech Connected to God and his word Our time is gone this morning I appreciate you coming I appreciate you listening And I pray the Lord will take this little thought about living for him in dark days and apply it to our hearts.